Hey, everyone. Evan Kerstell here. Very interesting chat today around cybersecurity, in particular passwords and password security, something we all know and love or hate. But in any case, we have a, a fantastic insider and entrepreneur with us today. Darren, how are you? Good. Thank you. Well, thanks for being here. Uh, big fan of you and what your team are doing. Maybe introduce Keeper Security, a little bit about your background and the kind of founding mission as a co-founder as well. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I started my career off as a CPA. Um, so I have a finance and accounting background. I'm also an engineer. So sort of smashed together. But um, <laughs> at Keeper, you know, we created a cybersecurity software platform for protecting passwords credentials, secrets, and infrastructure. And uh, pretty excited about the work that we've been doing, actually. So I, I just want to thank you for having me on today. It's good to well, be here. Thank you for being here. And I'm going to learn a lot. Hopefully the viewers are as well. You know, what were the key challenges, you know, when you started out at Keeper Security and, and sort of how, how those evolved over yeah. time? Sure. So um, the beginning of the company was really a reaction to how people were transacting with passwords, credentials, and secrets, and really the cause of data breaches. When you look at data mm. breaches, about more than 80% of the time, it's a result of either weak or stolen login credentials, passwords, and secrets, um, or you know malware intrusion actually not being prevented the right way, or um, I would say just the whole thought process around cybersecurity was something that we thought we could make a difference on in terms of just how do you protect the masses with solutions that are extremely easy to use and that don't require a tremendous amount of human intervention and thought? Um, because the more complex the solution, typically the harder these applications are to use. So we try to work really hard here at merging simplicity, ease of use with really strong cybersecurity protection so that every person on any device, even an organization, large or small, can use our software. Well, that's a phenomenal mission. And tell us about the portfolio, because you mentioned individuals and the masses, but yeah. you also cater to enterprises, businesses of all size. So what is what does a solution set look like? Well, the product is available in over 120 countries. We publish it in 21 oh. languages. Um, today, we have about 18 million people on the platform. We've got over 3 million customers globally. Um, we protect individuals, families, businesses of every size. We also protect not just the private sector, but also the public sector. So we mm. sell to government agencies as well with our FedRAMP and state ramp authorized uh, environment. Um, again, I, I think, you know, I've always had a pervasive view on the landscape and trying to solve a very important problem and making cybersecurity solutions accessible and not so much scary mm. um, to an individual who um, just quite often, like when I talk to somebody, they don't really understand what cybersecurity is. It sounds cool, but uh, again, they don't know where to start. Like if they have a, a business or small business, there's 20 people in a company, you know, what do I need to do to protect my organization from ransomware? How do I prevent, you know, a data breach? Um, and, you know, what is the dark web? So in addition to offering solutions for the market, which I think is, the net of what we do, actually the most important thing we do is our education. So I'm a big believer in educating the public on cyber. So we work really hard 
outside of just the glossary of cybersecurity, which you can find on our website, we work extremely hard and diligently on creating a lot of thought leadership content to educate the public and private sector on really everything across the entire cybersecurity landscape. Um, within the landscape, we focus on one particular area just because most of the data breaches um, revolve around what we call identity and access management. Mm. And the general um, concept of identity and access management is quite simple. Um, it, it's basically making sure that the right person, i.e. the authorized person, on the right device from the right location has access to the right websites, applications, and systems. When I say the word right, I'm talking about the permitted person, the permitted applications mm. from the permitted location. So everything that we do um, in the aggregate, I would say, is focused on making sure that the right authorized user has access to a specific website application or system that they can access it from any device, from any permitted location. And that depending on how um, you set up your business, for instance, you can actually track and monitor and protect every user from every device, from every location. So if somebody's working from home or from another remote location or inside of an office, you will know. And you can set up policies and parameters and role-based access controls to make sure that you have complete what we call visibility over mm -hmm. the organization. And what that allows you to do is really track and mitigate and monitor like not just the inside threat to an organization, but the outside threat. Well, it's a brilliant approach. And uh, kudos on the education side. Much more is needed on that end. And I think that's part of the reason I do shows like this. Um, one of the hot topics, uh, of course, is password-less authentication. Yay. Um, hot topic, hot trend. Uh, and, you know, they are a significant step forward. Uh, so what's your take on passkeys? Uh, how do you use them? And where, what's the state of the art as far as they are yeah. concerned? So, I mean, I think passkeys is a brilliant concept, you know, and like anything else, I think the key to anything that, you know, when it comes to invention in our industry, what we're trying to do is allow people to authenticate into a website or application with ease and grace, but mm. also with security. And that's really it. I mean, when it comes down to a passkey, what we're trying to achieve is a biometric authentication in this instance where the user does not have to remember a password, right? And I think it's a profound and brilliant idea. Um, when you look at the number of websites currently in existence, it's north of a billion. There's over a billion <laughs> websites. When you look at the number of those websites that actually support passkeys, it's less than 100 the last time we've counted. So the adoption hasn't been um, accelerated. It's not even one-tenth of 1%. It's far less than yeah. that, you know, based on the math that I just gave you. It's a fraction of a percent, not even close to a tenth of a percent. It's in the hundreds or probably a thousandth of a percent if you run the math. Um, the reason, and people ask me, well, why do you think that is? And if that's the next question, I'll answer it. But generally, 
I think pass keys are profound and very cool um, for, you know, our software supports and stores them. Um, but it requires a lot of psychology. You know, when, when a user goes to log into a website for the first time, let's assume that site offers pass keys, they're prompted, hey, would you like to create a pass key? The truth is that most of us are so just used to speed, right? We used to watch, for example, I was talking about videos online, like, you know, a two minute video used to be a short video. Now that's almost an eternity because we're used to things like YouTube shorts and TikTok, right? 10 to 30 second videos that get the point across and move on to the next thing. And people become accustomed to that speed. And in essence, when they're faced or, you know, forced to create something new to change the way that they've been thinking, well, I'll just enter my password. I'll blow past the screen. They circumvent or they just hit X and they move forward and they don't engage in trying to set up a pass key. So that's the biggest hurdle I think is on the user side. The second hurdle is on the inside of the organization that's trying to enable pass keys for their particular site or application. It requires work. It requires changes to their technology stack, right? In order to support that, there's a lot that has to happen, you know, internally within an organization to modify how users authenticate with their website applications and systems, right? And then if you talk about, well, after you've actually do the technology piece, you now have the workflows of running a business, because if a user contacts the help desk of a bank that enforced pass keys, now the help desk department has to be able to, well, not just reset passwords, but now they have to handle cases. My pass mm-hmm. key is not working, as an example. Or I don't have access to the biometric sensor that I use to authenticate. Or I lost my phone. What do I do? Right. So um, this has been a big challenge because it's um, it's very similar to like the factorial equation and math. Like if you look at, you know, six times one is six, but it's not six times one. It's more like six times five times four times three times two times one. It 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 blossoms and proliferates quite quickly in terms of complexity. I see the CPA side of you coming out now. So that's uh, uh I love the math analogy. And, and so the, some of the barriers are there. Um how are you guys a keeper security with your technology helping kind of overcome those hurdles with passkey adoption? You know, we're, we're here to support passkey users. Um, those mm-hmm. individuals that use passkeys, it's great. If you use a password, a passkey, any type of note, list, code, it doesn't really matter. Our system is more ubiquitous. In other words, it's agnostic in the fact that you can store any type of digital asset inside your Keeper Vault. And so the product mm. is designed to be agnostic in that way. And then, of course, on the cross-platform side, we support every native application, every operating system, every type of browser, right? Any type of computing device that you can run the application wow. on. So we work very hard to make sure that the platform is device-wide and OS-wide so that we can accommodate everyone and every type of system without forcing a user or a customer, specifically a business customer, 
um, to change or modify their technology or identity stack. So that's really the key, right? Because we don't want to have you change the devices, change the environment, change the identity stack. We want to integrate with the life that you currently have. And that's really an important part of what we do. Fascinating. Interesting approach. Um, there's lots of talk of expanding the scope of privileged access management, or PAM. Mm -hmm. You know, talk about the role that PAM plays in enterprise IT with security teams, and you know, what does it mean to expand? You know, to all sort of privileged users. Yeah. So you know, the the way that we approached PAM was really uh, by listening to the market's critical unmet needs. You know, we did a lot of work around. Just how do you mitigate the insider threat and also the outside threat from one platform, right? So you've got to monitor the dark web. You have to monitor inbound um, activity into a system or application. You also have to monitor the individuals inside of an organization, right? Because sometimes an individual in an organization can turn out to be nefarious or maybe they inadvertently try to access a system they don't have access to. So what mm. we realized um, in talking with a lot of customers and also just the market in general was that there was a huge gap. And the gap related to a couple things. Number one, that conventional privileged access management solutions did not provide enough holistic visibility over the organization. They were really good and effective at mitigating the risk of an inside problem, an inside risk within an organization, but it was specific to the IT department. Now, when you have a mass migration to distributed remote work and the perimeter completely changes, in essence, the, the corporate perimeter vaporized. So there you become mm. perimeter lists and you now couple that with distributed remote work and an exponential increase in computing devices, PAM breaks down. And the reason PAM breaks down is because the visibility that you need is no longer relegated to just IT. You actually need to apply that same type of control, role-based access control policies, what we call something least privilege. That means that you, Evan, would only have access to very specific folders and applications in an IT environment right? And that you would be monitored and recorded in terms of your activity. And I could run reports and compliance reports for auditors. Well, that requirement for IT now became pervasive in that an organization has to have visibility and protect every user on every device, the finance department, the HR department, design, customer support, right? Because cyber criminals, they they always go after the lowest hanging fruit. Where are the weaknesses, right? That's why you see a lot of data breaches um, in the customer service department. You'll see a social engineering attack or a phishing attack, mm. right? Um, or a credential stuffing attack, some type of brute force attack, not just at the IT, but they're also you know, penetrating other areas of the organization and teams. So. What we were told was we've got to get visibility, control, and security across the entire ecosystem. How do we do that? And the way to do that 
is to build the next-gen privileged access management solution, and that's what we did. Fantastic. Well done. So it's confusing as a user. There are so many different applications for password management, secrets management, different apps, different approaches uh, across the users and enterprises. You know, how do you stand out in terms of security and the user friendliness and all the aspects that make you different? It must be, uh, yeah, what, what's the opportunity and the challenge there? I think it's somewhat profound and, and pretty straightforward, mm-hmm. but it's not easy to do. So if you line up, there's a lot of great products out there. Mm. And, you know, there's a lot of smart innovators. There's brilliant people in our industry. Um, What we work really hard at here is identifying critical unmet needs of our target market Mm. and delivering those products at speed. So Mm. when you think about ways to have competitive advantage, there's really only three ways to do it right? You can cheat, you can be first, or you could be smarter, really. I think what we work really hard at, we know there's a lot of smart people out there and we don't cheat. So speed is the key. You win through speed. So if you can identify critical unmet needs of your target market and deliver those products and services faster than your competition and be first, you have massive competitive advantage. And that's what we work. We're astute at that. We work really hard at that. So um, my partner and I, Craig Lurie, he's my co-founder and CTO. I would consider us to be maniacal and fanatical about being customer centric and product centric. We've never lost that since we started this business. It's, it's the passion that we have. And um, I think that's the answer to the question though. I think it's all about speed and delivering exceptional products and services, but doing it fast. Can't rush make it. Make it sound so simple, but it, of course it's not. And I think the industry is recognizing you. I see you just looking at your website here, a ton of industry recognition, accolades and awards. And do you have a shelf that you put all those on? Kind of like, you know, when you're a kid, you know, you get your, you're, you're no. not really focused on all that. No. So what makes me happy is, when I, when I hear great things from customers, you know, you, you've done, you know, you guys are doing amazing work. Your team's fantastic. We love your products. You know, we look at the reviews on, you know, whether it's on the, on the endpoint, we can go to the app store because the endpoint gives us a good indication there. Um, the accolades from our support team, the customer ratings, um, that's all I need. And uh, just knowing that, you know, I'm passionate about the work that I'm doing and I love what I do. Um, knowing, you know, that's the other side of the equation. I love what I do. And uh, I'm here to make customers extremely happy and, and to protect them. That's like my job. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm grateful for that. Fantastic. Well, well said. So just get geeky here for a second, you know, for those CSOs, CISOs watching. I mean, you you build a lot of really robust security and compliance capabilities in your product. I I could go into all the four and five letter acronyms, AES 256-bit encryption and uh, uh, PBKF2 and SOC2 and GDPR. And how do you stay on top of all those standards and compliance requirements? That must be quite a task for your team. 
Yeah. So uh, we have a, a sec ops team and a compliance team, and that is all they yeah. do 24 seven. So uh, we have an amazing team. Um, a lot of former military and military yeah. contractors. We have PhDs in cryptography on the team. Uh, a lot of masters in cryptography, just absolutely brilliant at what they do. We have um, team members that, you know, used to work, you know, on the FedRAMP side of the equation in terms of compliance mm. and controls and policies. But we are very cognizant and deliberate about the investment. We invest millions in this annually, the investment that we make in cybersecurity is a very serious investment. In fact, it's the most pervasive investment in the company because it's the nucleus of everything that we do. It starts mm. with security, compliance, internal controls, confidentiality, secrecy. So we were the first, you know, to be SOC 1 and, and you know, type 1, type 2 certified. So mm. SOC 2, type 1 and type 2. The first to be ISO 27001 amongst our competitive set. The first to be FedRAMP, the first to be StateRAMP authorized. Um, we're now in the process of, of going IL-5, so we'll be announcing that soon, even though I lightly announced it here. We'll be officially announcing that soon for IL-5 That's for the Department of Defense. So very excited about the work that we do, but you have to be deliberate about cyber. You just can't say, you know, yeah, we, you know, we do cybersecurity, but um, we geek out over it. Like we're... Mm we're completely fastidious and fanatical about um, the work that we do, the encryption that we have and the controls around that. It's very important. Well, wonderful approach. Very inspirational here. Um, right in 2024, the heat is on. Um, in addition to helping customers, uh, what else are you excited about? Any trips, travel planned? Uh, what's on your personal agenda? I'm a uh, I think I clocked over 500,000 miles last year. I'm a, wow. I'm like a present CEO. So I, you know, I'm in our Cork Island office four times a year. I'm in our Japan wow. office four times a year. Last year I was there six times. Um, I'm in Chicago 12 times minimum. Um, I live in Florida. Uh, but yeah, I get, you know, I get to California office a half dozen times a year. So I'm a big believer in present leadership with my team. So um, that's the tr traditional travel to be with my team. And then of course there's the shows. I, I go to black hat, I go to RSA. Um, I'm doing infosec this year. That's in London. So, uh, yeah, I definitely well, get I'll be at RSA. Hopefully we can connect there and, uh, be chat about the latest news and updates. And thanks so much, Darren, for the insights and the yeah. amazing work and, and sharing your time here. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone for watching. Reach out to Keeper. Uh, they have create amazing educational content and videos and, and podcasts and beyond. So lots to learn, lots to uh, explore. Thanks so much. You're welcome, Evan. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.